Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play, and celebrate Mississippi for that matter. Coming from you right here in the coastal Mississippi studio, which happens to be in my hunting and fishing closet at my house. People who know me know that I love the outdoors. I spend time at my place in the Delta and offshore in the backwaters of Mississippi. We have, man, look, we have one of the most cherished set of natural resources in the country right here. But last week I had a conversation with uh, representatives from the Nature Conservancy and Ducks Unlimited, where we talked about the legislation that's in front of the Mississippi legislature now literally as we speak, that would create a Mississippi or conservation trust fund in Mississippi. And this is important because it's going to give us the ability to acquire significant federal matching funds. And it's going to give us also the ability to invest in conservation at levels that we've never done before. So it's incredibly important to the state. So as I said, when the when we started talking about the legis- legislation, that um, if you look at Mississippi's outdoors, particularly like here in coastal Mississippi, that how, how much of a role the outdoors plays in our lives here in, in Mississippi. When you look at it on the state level, you, th- you see things like the farming community and the outdoors community, how they work together. Um, I don't know if you, you know, you, you may not, have, you may have missed this when I talked about it, but farming is the number one industry in, in Mississippi, $7.45 billion. And outdoor recreational spending, consumer spending in this state is, is $8 billion. So between the two, you're talking about over $15 billion in this state. You know, that is economic impact. And that's one of the reasons why we've got to preserve this. We've got to think about conservation at a level that we've never done before in this state. This is really big business in this state. Um, one of the things that this fund has to has to do, though, is it has to put us competitive with other states. We're only one of two states in the southeast that don't have this fund. And without it, we can't go get billions of dollars that are available to us at the federal level. I'll just give you one example. Georgia took about $20 billion and turned it into $100 billion. So this trust fund is really big time important. Okay. The bill passes the House. It's set 117 to 2. Then Lieutenant Governor uh, Delbert Hoseman triple referred it. So let me let me tell you what triple refer, referral usually means. It's the kiss of death. That's what it usually means. But in this particular case, I think so, somewhat because there was this course of, um, of feedback that the Lieutenant Governor was getting that this was really important, he worked with the various committee chairs and was actually able to usher a bill through. Now, it made it out. The bill that made it out, though, is substantially different than the bill that went to the Senate. But, but the good news is we've got something to talk about now. We've got something to debate, and we've got something to educate around. So that's actually really important. But the bill, and I'm, these are my words, not necessarily the coalition's words, but the, the bill essentially guts the House version in three very important ways. First, what the, bill, uh, uh, the House bill uh, assigned was to create a diversion of money. Now, this is money that would have allocated a percentage of money that would have been sales tax on sporting goods that would have been put into this fund on an annual basis. What Hoseman wants to do is an appropriation, which essentially means that we have to fight for the money every year. And it also didn't define a specific amount that we would be fighting for. That's a problem. And by the way, 
when you think about the kind of projects that we're going to do, a lot of those are multi-year projects. It takes a lot of planning. When you think about the kind of work that we have to do to get the, the federal matching funds, that is a significant effort. If you don't know how much money you're going to have from year to year, that's a problem. So that's, that's something we have to address. The second critical change was that the way we evaluate the projects, essentially what they want to do is a create an advisory approach so that when these projects get scored or, or you prioritize, they still have to go back to the legislature to be approved. Well, you know, that sounds a lot like the BP project. And you know, you know me, I've talked about the, 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 uh, the, that restoration fund that came from the BP money. Uh, they set up an advisory fund here, but then it got super politicized and people had to, once they get, a, once they go through the process locally th through the advisory, then they had to go lobby the legislatures to fight for the money. And as a result, we're not doing the kind of game changing projects that we wanted to, to, to do. Well, we can't do that with the trust fund. That would not be a good thing. And lastly, Hosen wants to exclude private land and he also wants to exclude nonprofits from, from the process. And this is one of the reasons why I have the guest I have today, because if you exclude private lands and nonprofits out of the process, then it, it makes a big deal. About 80 or 90% of the land in Mississippi should be part of the conservation process. And James Cummings, this, who is the executive director for Wildlife Mississippi, has written extensively about this subject, the history of conservation, about conser conservation, and the vital and necessary role that private lands play in conservation efforts. With all of that said, let me welcome uh, Jim, uh, James Cummings, uh, to, Cummins to uh, Coast View this morning. Sorry for messing your name up, James. Hey, that's not the first time. Thank you, Ricky. Pleasure <laughs> to be on the show. It's good to see you. So let's start with this. Uh, your organization, you're the executive director of Wildlife Mississippi. Tell me what that organization is and tell me about its members. Sure. So, you know, a, a while back, you know, you know, you had a, if you kind of look back at the history of conservation in Mississippi, we pretty much, you know, were the, either involved in litigation or acquiring land. There wasn't really a lot of involvement, in, you know, from the business sector or the, or the private sector in conservation. Um, I had a little bit different background growing up. I, I had an uncle that was executive director of the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks, Jack Herring, uh, worked a lot with, with him, really saw the opportunity to improve uh, improve the state. I graduated from public schools in Greenville, in Greenville, in the Delta, where you like to hunt, uh, and then went on to get a, a, a BS and master's in fisheries uh, from Mississippi State and Virginia Tech. But but I also went to work in the in in the U.S. Senate, and kind of those things really were, I guess, appealing to the board that 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 formed Wildlife Mississippi. Uh, it was formed primarily. Clark Reed is it is the person who hired me and is the the you know, chairman emeritus of the organization, but people like Howard Brent, uh, Charles Pickering, our current president, Richard McRae, John Palmer, Ambassador Palmer, uh, Rick Calhoun, Bob Dunlap, Ken Hull, Jimmy Bryan. These are the people, these are strong business leaders that also care about uh, uh, conservation. And as you indicated, we got to think about this stuff differently. How can we use this to move our state forward? Uh, and so they really wanted a different type of organization that really works not on the the 10 to 20 percent of land that exists in the state, but let's 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 re work on all all conservation. All Jay, James, what's so powerful about that list that you just read to me? Uh, I have deep respect for. I know most of them. I have deep respect for them. Uh, these are stalwarts in Mississippi in terms of their their passion for Mississippi and their leadership contribution over a number of years. And so when you think about your organization, then combining it with these other organizations in Mississippi to form this Mississippi Outdoor Stewardship Coalition. 
man, those boards, uh, those organizations have similar people as Ambassador Palmer and Charles Pickering and others. I mean, this coalition is incredibly important to uh, achieving the goal of establishing a trust fund, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, I, I think you're you know, kind of seeing why it was so important. And we ended up from going to the graveyard to, to going on life support to pass it out of three committees is you've got, you know, one, a strong interest in the state. And you got these people are serious business people. They're serious about conservation and serious about hunting and fishing, you know, and they've made their their voice known. And I think that's why this this legislation is gaining some momentum. Not perfect. We'll talk about that. Yeah, but we're making progress. So as I said in my opening comments, it was important to get the bill. I mean, triple referral being what it was, it, it got out. So it's like one of only a couple of bills in history that got out of a triple referral scenario. There could have been others, but uh, in my research, I've only seen a couple. But but it made it out. And uh, and, and Lieutenant Governor Shepard did it out through the committees. Now, he, he made sure that his initial concerns about the bill were part of of each committee's report. So he's, he's the man driving this one for sure. It's his concerns that are now part of what it has changed about the house version of the bill. Um, did I basically summarize the three major changes, really four when you add nonprofits, but you, did I summarize that properly or did I miss anything? Absolutely. And just, you know, we need to recognize too, that the Senate bill, there's no money in it. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I think you you mentioned that as well. But I think yeah. you did a great job. That's what we need to we we we've got to try to figure out how to merge the House bill with with this bill. So how do we get there? How how does the House and Senate resolve such critical game changing uh, dimensions to the bill? You know, so I used to work for a Republican senator, and on my first day at work, he said both conservation and conservative have the same roots, and asked me how to help figure out how to do both of those. I thought that was pretty visionary. And Thad Cochran is remembered today as, as one of the stalwart architects of, of modern-day conservation. You know, and it involved both public lands and, and private lands. The Theodore Roosevelt National Wildlife Refuge in the Delta you know, was, was his concept. The Holt Collier Refuge, the only refuge named for an African-American in the country, that was Thad Cochran. Also, tremendous amount of support and work on the Farm Bill that's created an opportunity for us to, there's about $6 billion a year in conservation. Uh, but I look at the, I look at what it is. So I spent a lot of time working in the United States Senate, you know, uh, you know, working in what's now the minority. So let's, let's do this, James Cummins from uh, Wildlife Mississippi, Executive Director there. Hold your thought. We're going to pick it up right there when we come back and continue to talk about how we go about getting to a point where we have a trust fund that can be generationally important to this state from a conservation perspective. We'll be back after this break. Broadcasting safe and sound from the coastal Mississippi studios, this is Coast View View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk 103.1. Reminding you why the Mississippi Gulf Coast is such a great place to live, work, and play. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have James Cummings with me today. 
Cummins. He's the uh, executive director of, of Wildlife Mississippi. And uh, man, he's a, he's a noted expert on conservation and why, you know, things like public lands need to be part of it. But we were talking before we went to break about what is it going to take to pull this off? So finish your thought, James. Sure. So if you look at, at what was reported out of the three committees and in, in, on the Senate side, uh, this, this bill is really one of the most anti-private sector pro-government bills that I've seen come out of, out of Republican committees in a long time. The Senate still has to debate it. And, and really, to be fair, you know, I, I think there were a lot of misunderstandings uh, it, on the Senate side. And I think there's a lot of improvements that can be made and, sh- and should be made, uh, especially as they relate to private lands in, in the nonprofit sector. Uh, you know, let's go back, uh, you know, last year when uh, the when Lieutenant Governor Hoseman uh, was a part of dedicating the, the, the new Phil Bryant Wildlife Management Area. And he said, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't get it wrong, is this is the way government and private and nonprofits ought to work. 17,000 acres of land for families to build memories. Every member of the legislature ought to listen to that fine speech that, that he gave. Uh, you know, the bill as it stands now eliminates two-thirds of what he said, you know, the private and nonprofit sectors. Uh, if we'd been using this bill to create the Phil Bryant d- WMA, it wouldn't have happened. You know, the Nature Conservancy couldn't have been a part of this. You know, uh, if we use this speech as a, as a guide to shape this piece of legislation as it continues to move through the legislative process, I'm really confident that we'll end up in a good place. Uh, you know, if you, you you mentioned our coalition, you know, if you had the the the, the number of years that this coalition that, that these organizations have been in existence, building conservation programs, it's 363 years of combined experience. I don't know about you, but that's a long time, and I don't plan on living that long. Uh, <laughs> these are serious professional people. They're all biologists. You know, they're all from Mississippi. You know, from Houston, Greenville, Oxford. Amory, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's like you know, eliminating the nonprofit sector. You know, we obviously have have problems in the state. You know, but none of the folks that are part of our coalition have ever been having any financial wrongdoing. You know, you know, unlike the Department of Marine Resources or Corrections or Human Services. Um, you know, so hey, we all know that an organization or agency is only as, as, as good as the people that are that are there. You know, so but my point is, you know, hey, if there are problems like with the nonprofit sector, requires to submit an audit, a certificate of good standing from the Secretary of State's office. Let's show how we've managed public funds in the past. If we've mismanagement, it's simple. Don't fund it. Well, but the point the point, James, is though, is that if you set out to put something in place because you're worried about corruption. The, the corruption is not something that just affects one sector or another sector. The, the way you, you, you can't you can't approach it that way. You can't say I'm not going to do something because I'm concerned about it. What you do is you say I'm going to shed so much light on it. I'm going to make sure that the people who are involved in it are upstanding, absolutely successful people who have a history of, of public service, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure there's so much transparency to the process. The tra- transparency does a couple of things. One is it makes the, makes them accountable, but it also it, it it encourages more innovation because if this is a this is going to be a multi year conservation effort, and ideas are going to emerge that are going to spur ideas in other people, and the, and that's going to make more competitiveness for projects. That's a really good thing. So at the end of the day, you can't. I mean, a lot of the great conservation ideas these days come from the nonprofit community. So if you exclude them, what, what do you end up with? 
Well, yeah, you, you're certainly going to end up with a lot less innovation. And look, one of the changes that the Senate made that I think is very positive is how the board is structured. You know, so now you have four board members appointed by the by the governor, three by the lieutenant governor. We have some smart people in this state, and I'm pretty confident if they can appoint a good a good bo- a wise board, there'll be a wise use of expenditure of taxpayer dollars. If the projects have to come back to the legislature to be approved, and they're able to sidestep local uh, or, or excuse me, committee advices like they can with the BP money. That's not a good outcome. I hope that that's, that doesn't stand. You know, all, all of us in our coalition, we like working, creating more acres for conservation. We don't like having to spend our time hiring attorneys or hiring lobbyists to go do stuff. Let us do what we're good at. You know, let this board make those decisions. Put your trust and faith in a, in a good board. And I'm confident we'll have, a, we'll have good projects. So, Jim, let's, I mean, James, let's do this. You are a professional and you are an expert on why private lands have to be part of the conservation process. So for, for the for average person listening to this who's not really thought much about it, kind of make the point. Give, give me your, your elevator speech on why you cannot exclude private lands. Well, one, as you indicated earlier, it's 80 to 90 percent of the state's land base. We can't advance conservation, you know, by only working on 10, 15 percent of the land. You know, we have a big wild hog problem in this state. The Department of Agriculture and Commerce is doing a pretty good job working with private landowners. Our deer management assistance program, 45 years old in the state, we've gone to shooting a bunch of small rack bucks to competing with Boone and Crockett in terms of record trophy animals. That's because of good private lands programs. You know, you know, if we wanted to try to control wild hogs and you don't involve the private sector, we're not going to be very successful. Right now, if you look at, at Columbus Air Force Base, you've got encroachment problems, you know, on their approaching runway and, and where they're taking off. You know, every year you know, or every several years, you know, you have a base reduction and closure act. We in the conservation community are working with our Department of Defense agencies to prevent encroachment around our military bases, purchasing conservation easements. The military stepped up, you know, with dollars. We're having trouble matching that. You know, we don't have a Thad Cochran anymore to say, no, 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 you're not going to do that. We've got yeah. some great senators and great members of Congress, but we don't have a chairman of appropriations. So we've got to do things, for example, and here is using conservation to protect jobs and protect our military bases. You don't have private lands. You, you, it's not going to work. Well, I, I see that so clearly. And you think about the Farm Act, for example, the Farm Bill and, and the six billion dollars that you mentioned a few minutes ago that would be available to us. That's private land. So that that's money that would not be in play for us if we don't have the ability to do that. And the other thing is, if you don't make farmers part of the equation, I'm thinking about the relationship I have with my farmer up in the Delta. I'd be toast if it weren't for him and his commitment to improving habitat and all the things that have to happen. Their farmers are really good partners in this whole conversation about conservation, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, you know, everything runs downstream, you know, and what you see in a lot of farmers, good farmers, good stewards of the land, they don't want their soil to run off. They're using that to grow cotton and rice, you know, but every time, you know, they're losing a nutrient or losing soil, then it's ending up in the Mississippi Sound, hurting our state seafood industry, hurting recreational fishing for, you know, trout, you know, or whatever the species is. You know, we've got to have we've got to have these tools. There's about seven billion dollars that this fund could access. What the what the Senate bill was just took six billion off the table. Yes, that 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 doesn't make a lot of good financial sense to me. But I don't I'm not sure they recognize all this. I don't expect our Mississippi Senate to be an expert on the farm bill. You know, 
but you know, we need to recognize these things and and learn kind of what's going on as as we continue to mark this bill up. That's why I said it's a good thing the bill got out. I mean, we we've got something to talk about. We got something, and I said I said debate, but I also said educate. That's always the case. These guys are moving fast. They got a lot of stuff on their plates. We know that. In this particular case, they have so many of their friends. I'm saying senators and and Delbert Hoseman. So many of their friends that are involved. And these organizations who have committed so much of their volunteer time to improving conservation in this state, who have done their homework on, on the way a trust fund ought to work so that Mississippi can be competitive with other states like Georgia. I mean, to take 20 billion, 20 million and turn it into 100 million, what could Mississippi do with another 70 or 80 million dollars a year in conservation, outdoors, recreation improvement? It would be it would be significant. Well, you know, we little around Rob and our coalition. We came up, you know, over the weekend, $170 million worth of projects, $170 million, you know. I mean, if, if we had $10 million likes in the house, we can turn, you know, we can take a, every quarter, we can turn it into a dollar. Or we can take $10 million and turn it into $40 million. You know, we got four to five years worth of work just at the house level. That, that's, that's really incredible, really. And what I love about it is that you would then have competing projects. Things like the amount of matching funds you'd be able to get for a specific project versus one maybe you wouldn't get as much matching funds for, what the ultimate outcome would be in terms of generational improvement. You know, when you when you start to stack all these projects on top of each other, the projects that will come from a trust fund, because I'm, I'm confident eventually a trust fund will get established. We have to win in this. One way or the other, we need a trust fund in Mississippi. But the, the generational um, contribution that would that would put Mississippi in the ranks of some of the best outdoor recreational states in, in, in the nation, as opposed to kind of leading from behind right now. That's very significant, isn't it? Absolutely. It, it, you mentioned earlier, you know, about we need to be using conservation as a tool. Uh, every time we, we graduate someone from our university, you know, unfortunately, most of those are leaving. We're losing millennials faster than any other state in the United States. What are millennials like? A lot of the outdoors. Let's use this to retain our talent and skill force to help make Mississippi a better place. And I think the well, National Rifle Association got it right. Let's focus on both public and private lands. I think you're right, James. And I, I have confidence. I, I, I feel like this one's got a lot of common sense attached to it. And how can you not be for this, given the amount of money that could be spent and the kind of innovation that can occur around conservation? This is James Cummins. He's the, he's the uh, executive director for Wildlife Mississippi and uh, a new friend of uh, Coast View. We look forward to talking to you again in the, in the near future, James. Thank you. Good to be here. Okay. You bet. We'll see you after this break. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.